Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call.
we returned $1.8 billion through our clear dividend framework and completed $525 million of share repurchases, leading the gold sector in shareholder returns. We also completed the acquisition of GT Gold, continued to advance our most profitable near-term projects. And two weeks ago, we announced the acquisition of Bonaventura's interest in Yanacocha, increasing Newmont's ownership in one of the largest and most productive gold mines in South America. We have successfully operated in Peru for more than 30 years, and we have a deep knowledge of Yanacocha and the value that it brings to Newmont stakeholders. Since 1993, Yanacocha has produced nearly 40 million ounces of gold. And similar to our acquisition of GT Gold in British Columbia's Golden Triangle, this transaction is in line with Newmont's strategy of district consolidation, enhancing our ownership of world-class assets in proven mining jurisdictions. Increasing our ownership in Yanacocha also means that Newmont is increasing our stake in the Sulphides Project, which is the next exciting chapter in Yanacocha's long and profitable history. With a multi-decade mine life from just the first phase, this project will generate profitable production of more than 500,000 gold equivalent ounces per year at attractive oil sustaining costs. Importantly, the metal produced from sulphides be approximately 45% gold, 45% copper and 10% silver substantially increasing Newmont's copper position as the world transitions to a green economy. And looking ahead, we are already evaluating the second and third phases of the Sulphides project, which have the potential to both increase production and extend mine life well beyond 2040. We are very fortunate to have had a strong partnership with Bonaventura over several decades and look forward to continuing to work with the people of the Kahamaka region and local agencies to sustainably and responsibly develop the next phases of Yanacocha's long life. Turning now to the strategic value that differentiates our portfolio. Each year, Newmont's portfolio of operations will produce more than 16 ounces of gold, along with nearly 2 million gold equivalent ounces from copper, silver, lead and zinc. Combined, that is nearly 8 million gold equivalent ounces per year for at least the next decade, the most of any company in our industry. At Newmont, we have created a robust and diverse portfolio of operations and projects around the globe, with the scale and mine life to deliver strong long-term results. Among our 12 operating mines and two joint ventures, over 90% of our attributable gold production comes from top-tier jurisdictions. And with the opportunity to acquire the outstanding 5% ownership in Yanacocha, 11 of our 12 managed operations will be 100% owned, ensuring that our stakeholders receive the full benefit from Newmont's clear strategic focus and superior execution. Underpinning our portfolio, is a robust foundation of reserves and resources. Including our recent acquisition of an increased interest in Yanacocha, Newmont's reserve base now sits at 96 million ounces of gold and 68 million gold equivalent ounces from other metals, 
predominantly copper. We also offer substantial upside through a resource base of over 112 million ounces of gold and a further 112 million gold equivalent ounces from other metals, which includes almost 30 billion pounds of copper. Through our industry-leading organic project pipeline, we have multiple opportunities to increase copper production through the development of Yanacocha sulphides, Saddle North, North Abieto, Neva Union and Galore Creek, providing natural exposure to a metal of growing importance for reducing carbon emissions and facilitating ongoing transition to a new energy economy. Reserve replacement is a long-term process. And as, as Newmont has done for many years, we develop and implement plans that target replacing our annual depletion on average over time. In 2021, we replaced more than 80% of reserve depletion despite the challenges created by the pandemic. And it is important to note that this does not include the 3 million ounces of gold reserves we just acquired through our purchase of Bonaventura's interest in Yanacocha. At Newmont, we firmly believe that the COVID-19 vaccine is critical in combating the spread of the virus and preventing severe illness and death. As you can see in this slide, the vaccination rates at our managed operations exceed national rates in all of the jurisdictions in which we operate. Last September, we took the important step of deliberately moving towards a position where all of our global workforce will be required to be vaccinated. To support this, Newmont continues to deliver vaccination awareness programs while also working with local communities and governments to both provide and improve access to the vaccines. And one of the most meaningful contributions that our leaders have made in the fight against COVID-19 is the time that they have spent with their teams, holding individual meetings, answering difficult questions, coordinating facilitated sessions with health professionals, and guiding our workforce as they make the important decision to protect themselves and their loved ones. We are very proud of the work we have done, and we will continue to be a values-driven organisation that makes decisions that prioritise the health and safety of our workforce and local communities above all else. Over the first two months of this year, the Omicron surge has impacted our operations and the mining industry as a whole. Fortunately, due to our high vaccination status, the severity of any positive cases has been low. Our workforce remains healthy and we are well positioned as we emerge on the other side of this current surge. However, as a consequence of safely managing through this surge, we expect that our production results in the first quarter of 2022 could be impacted by as much as 150,000 ounces. Around one third of that impact is coming from our Canadian operations and Cripple Creek and Victor. It's flight capacity constraints at our fly-in, fly-out operations and close contact isolation protocols have impacted productivity. Another third comes from Africa, where we are experiencing COVID-related supply chain disruptions and global border closures, which are impacting the availability of skilled workers from Australia and the delivery of critical spares and equipment. 
And the final third comes from our operations in Australia, where we are seeing the impacts of productivity and labour availability as we adhere to interstate border closures and close contact isolation protocols. We are closely monitoring the reopening of the Western Australian border, which is currently planned for March 5th. And this may lead to a surge of cases impacting the mining industry in that state. However, the reopening of this border will also allow one third of our team at Tanami who live in Western Australia to now move freely between work and home for the first time in months. As we near the end of February, we are encouraged to see declining case counts and have reported only one hospitalisation associated with the Omicron surge. Despite the challenges presented by managing the Omicron surge, we remain on track to end the year within our guidance ranges. We expect that production and unit costs will substantially improve each quarter with approximately 53% of our production weighted to the back half of this year, driven by Boddington, Bajafo, Cerro Negro and our Canadian operations. And with that, I'll turn it over to Rob and then Nancy for a more detailed look at our fourth quarter performance. Over to you, Rob. Thank you, Tom, and good morning, everyone. To echo what Tom said, the pandemic continues to present challenges across our operations and the mining industry as a whole. I'm very proud of the resilience of our people and our systems, and I'd like to recognise the very significant efforts that continue to be applied at all of our operations in order to keep our team safe and healthy. Turning to the next slide, let's take a deeper look, starting with Australia. Tanamine delivered another strong performance in the fourth quarter, as higher grades and strong mill performance more than offset impacts to productivity from COVID. And despite a tightening labour market and heightened protocols, the team added more than 800,000 ounces in reserve additions through drilling. We expect Tanamine to remain a solid contributor throughout the year due to steady production and higher grade as we progress our investment in the second expansion at Tanamine, a project with the potential to extend mine life beyond 2040. The team continues to advance the construction of the head frame. 80% of the nearly one mile deep shaft has now been reamed, and more than 80% of the project engineering procurement has been completed, an important step in locking in long lead time materials and limiting exposure to rising costs. At Boddington, we delivered the site's best quarterly performance of 2021, overcoming challenges encountered during the third quarter and reporting improved production and lower costs as the team reached higher gold and copper grades in the South Pit. We expect tons mined and grade to further improve, starting in the second quarter, with 52% of production expected in the second half of the year. And I'm very pleased to announce that the gold industry's first autonomous haulage fleet at Boddington has reached full productivity, increasing ore tons mined in the fourth quarter and positioning Boddington to deliver a strong performance this year. Early in 2020, our Newmont team came together with our partners at Caterpillar to plan, construct, test and deploy the gold sector's first fully autonomous haul truck fleet. And despite facing some challenges while fine-tuning this new technology to operate in a deep open pit mine for the first time, the Bonington AHS project was completed on budget 
and in record time. A major accomplishment for Newmont and the industry as a whole. Today, our autonomous trucks are operating at parity with a conventional haul truck, and we have a deep pipeline of optimization projects aimed at improving consistency, efficiency, and productivity throughout the year. The introduction of this technology allowed the site to replace 41 conventional trucks with 36 autonomous vehicles, resulting in important safety improvements and substantial cost savings over the long term. Already, our AHS fleet has moved over 45 million tons of material, and these trucks have traveled more than 1 million kilometers, generating tremendous results so far. Vehicle damage has declined nearly 50% in 2021 compared to 2020, and tire damage decreased 93% for more controlled and efficient haulage. But more importantly, we've reported zero injuries in the mine since going live in October last year. In addition to improving productivity, an autonomous haul fleet is fundamentally safer, removing the exposure to potential vehicle interactions and the risks associated with fatigue. In November, we took another step forward in the use of technology to improve mining, announcing a revolutionary strategic alliance with Caterpillar to deliver first-of-a-kind battery electric autonomous vehicles at Tanamine and at CCD as we make progress towards achieving zero emissions mining. We will look to leverage our team of experts within both Newmont and Caterpillar along with the lessons that we've learned at Bonington, as we continue to implement important improvements to safety and productivity throughout our portfolio, while also building pathways to decarbonization. Shifting to North America, Penasquito delivered another strong quarter with sustained mill performance and higher gold grade. The site is expected to deliver lower gold production and steady co-product production this year due to the planned mine sequencing at the Penasco and the Chile, Colorado pit, combined with lower grade and harder ore coming from the Chile, Colorado pit. Stripping in the Penasco pit will continue through 2022, and the site will also begin stripping the next phase of the Chile, Colorado pit in the second half of the year. And in the first half of this year, Penasquito will increase capital spend as the site expands camp facilities ensuring that our team members have the appropriate privacy and accommodation to get proper rest, as well as improving our ability to manage the spread of any future surges of COVID variants. Turning to our Canadian operations, Eleanor delivered solid fourth quarter results due to improved ore tons mined and milled. In addition, the site added more than 800,000 ounces in reserves from drilling and favorable revisions. Muscle White generated the year's strongest quarterly performance from higher-grade mine and improved mill performance in the fourth quarter. And Porcupine delivered consistent fourth-quarter results as higher throughput and recovery rates helped to offset less high-grade ore being mined from Oil Pond. In addition, the site continues to advance the Pomore project just 10 kilometers from our existing plant infrastructure. This project involves a significant layback of the Pomore pit and will extend mining at Porcupine through 2035. The Pomore pit will need to be dewatered as part of this project, and the concrete foundations for the associated water treatment plant have been completed. Study work is progressing as the project prepares for full funds approval 
in the second half of this year. And finally, at CCMV, the mine continued to experience lower grades and recoveries in the fourth quarter, in addition to lower labour availability due to COVID. Turning to Africa, Achim delivered another solid performance in the fourth quarter from higher grades, sustained throughput and strong recoveries. The team has begun stripping the next layback, extending mine life and providing future optionality as we continue to evaluate underground and open pit growth opportunities. Ahapo delivered a strong finish to the year, adding more than 400,000 ounces in reserve additions from drilling and generating a 19% production improvement over the prior quarter due to higher tons mined from the Sabika open pit, coupled with strong mill performance, which more than offset challenges with labour and equipment availability at our Sabika underground operation. These challenges were driven by COVID-related supply chain disruptions and international border closures at a time that we are ramping up sub-level shrinkage at Sabika underground. Consequently, we are expecting production at a half-hour to be weighted around 60% to the second half of this year as we increase underground tons and reach higher grades. And finally, in Africa, we continue to advance our Ahafo North project. In the fourth quarter, we received the tailing storage facility and water infrastructure permits from the EPA, and we expect to gain full land access later this year as we work together with local communities and regulators to develop this prolific ore body. Now, turning to South America, Marion remains a strong performer, delivering higher throughput and steady grade in the fourth quarter, while adding nearly 400,000 ounces in reserve additions, primarily from drilling at the Maraba open pit. Production is expected to slightly increase this year, as ore grade continues to improve through the first half and the site continues to utilise an ore blending strategy to maintain strong mill performance. Yanacocha continues to deliver leach-only production while we develop the first phase of the sulphides project. Early stage engineering continues to progress as the pandemic allows, and accommodation facilities for the construction and full-time workforce are expected to be completed in the first half of the year as the site prepares for an investment decision in late 2022. And finally, productivity and performance continues to improve at Cerro Negro as higher ore tons mined were partially offset by lower grade in the fourth quarter. We expect production this year to remain in line with 2021, with around 55% weighted toward the second half of the year. Our team continues to advance the San Marcos decline and the first wave of district expansions, which includes the development of the Marianas and Eastern Districts to extend operations beyond 2030 and provide a platform for further exploration and future waves of expansion. The drilling and earthworks contracts have been put in place, and Cerro Negro added more than 1.1 million ounces to reserves from drilling in the Eastern District, more than offsetting revisions and reinforcing the growth potential in this highly prospective and underexplored gold district. We look forward to bringing you further updates about our progress at Cerro Negro as we bring this project for full funds approval next year. And with that, I'll turn it over to Nancy on the next slide. Thanks, Rob. 
Through the strength of our portfolio and proven operating model, Newmont is able to generate the highest levels of attributable free cash flow in the gold sector. And our disciplined approach to capital allocation allows us to maintain financial strength and flexibility while balancing steady reinvestment into our future and industry-leading returns to our shareholders. In 2021, we continue to strengthen our balance sheet, ensuring that we are well-positioned to sustain our business and continue leading the industry for decades to come. Let's start with a look at the financial highlights. As you can see, Newmont delivered a strong finish to the year. In the fourth quarter, Newmont achieved a record $3.4 billion in revenue driven by higher sales volumes and strong gold prices. Adjusted net income of $624 million or 78 cents per diluted share. Adjusted EBITDA of nearly $1.6 billion for the quarter and a record $6 billion for the full year. And strong free cash flow of nearly $900 million for the quarter, an amount entirely attributable to Newmont. Our unmatched cash flow generation enables Newmont to provide superior shareholder returns, largely through our clear and stable dividend framework. This week, we again declared a regular quarterly dividend of 55 cents per share resulting in a dividend yield of approximately 3.5% and positioning Newmont among the top 10% in the S&P 500. In addition to our dividend, we continue to execute on our second $1 billion opportunistic share repurchase program, a separate and independent tool that does not impact our dividend payouts. Since December 2019, Newmont has repurchased over $1.5 billion in share buybacks at an average price of less than $49 per share, contributing significant value to shareholders. With an additional $475 million left on the current program, we will look to execute on opportunities over the next 10 months to repurchase our shares. Fourth quarter gap net loss from continuing operations was $61 million or eight cents per share. Adjustments included $1.10 primarily related to non-cash reclamation adjustments at non-operating sections of the Yanacocha site. Based on our ongoing studies of water management and closure activities, the liability was increased by $1.6 billion of which approximately one-third relates to the estimated cost to construct two additional water treatment plants over the next five years, and the remainder of the increase relates to ongoing closure operating costs, which we estimate include over a period of 50 years. Adjustments also include 21 cents related to the sale of the KCGM power business and the South Arturo Asset Exchange with Nevada Gold Mines. Five cents related to unrealized mark-to-market gains on equity investments and two cents of other charges. Taking these adjustments into account, we reported fourth quarter adjusted net income of 78 cents per diluted share. Our balanced global portfolio combined with our discipline and integrated operating model provides significant leverage to higher gold prices from the largest production base in the world. And for every $100 increase in gold prices above our base assumption, Newmont delivers $400 million of incremental attributable free cash flow per year. Nearly 18 months ago, we led the gold industry by announcing our dividend framework, 
differentiating ourselves with a clear and decisive strategy to provide stable and predictable returns to our shareholders. This framework provides a stable base dividend and returns 40 to 60% of the incremental attributable free cash flow generated above a $1,200 gold price. The fourth quarter dividend declared was consistent with the last four quarters, calibrated at an $1,800 gold price assumption and a 40% distribution of incremental free cash flow. Since introducing our framework, Newmont has returned more than $2 billion through dividends alone, demonstrating our confidence in the long-term value of our business and our commitment to leading returns. Our capital allocation priorities remain unchanged with a clear strategy to reinvest in our business through exploration and organic growth projects, to maintain financial strength and optionality in our balance sheet, and to continue to provide industry-leading returns to shareholders. Throughout the year, we delivered on each of these priorities by progressing our profitable reinvestment into the business with the advancement of our near-term projects and an ongoing commitment to our robust exploration strategy. Delivering the first autonomous haulage fleet in the gold mining industry, improving safety and productivity at Boddington. Advancing district consolidations with the GT Gold transaction and increasing our ownership in Yanacocha. Returning $2.3 billion to shareholders through dividends and opportunistic share buybacks. Issuing the industry's first sustainability link bond, efficiently refinancing near-term maturities and resulting in no debt due until 2029. And maintaining a strong balance sheet with $8 billion in liquidity and a net debt to EBITDA ratio of 0.2 times. Preserving Newmont's financial strength and flexibility to sustain the business across price cycles. As we look ahead, we are confident in our ability to deliver on our disciplined capital allocation priorities, creating long-term value for the business and all of our stakeholders. With that, I'll hand it back to Tom to wrap up. Thanks, Nancy. Over the last year, as we celebrated our 100th anniversary, it has been an important milestone to pause and reflect on our company, our industry, and the lessons we have learned. Our clear strategy lays the groundwork to truly differentiate Newmont as we position ourselves to continue leading the gold industry today and well into the future. And as we begin a new year, I am confident that our clear strategic focus, proven operating model, superior execution, and leading ESG practices will enable Newmont to deliver long-term value to all of our stakeholders through sustainable and responsible mining. With that, I'll turn it over to the operator to open the line for questions. We will now begin the question and answer session. To ask a question, you may press star then one on your touchtone phone. If you are using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing the key. To withdraw your question, please press star then two. At this time, we will pause momentarily to assemble the roster.
And our first question will come from Fahad Tariq of Credit Suisse. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Thanks for taking my two questions. Um, first, Tom, you made a comment about um, 150,000 uh, you know, fewer ounces in Q1. How should we be thinking about the rest of the year? Will those ounces be made up, or should we be thinking that this is a, a net negative to the to the midpoint guidance for the year? Thanks. Thanks, Fahad. Uh, good morning. Um, we we still expect to be within guidance, so we see opportunities to work to recover um, some or all of those ounces. Uh, clearly, we're only at the uh, coming to the latter end of February, uh, so plenty of opportunity in front of us. Uh, we're going to be weighted to the second half of the year with a couple of our big assets, uh, Harfo and Boddington in particular. So it's how those, um, how the sequence of those mines shape up and how we how we move through and the, and the grade as it presents. Uh, but we certainly see ourselves firmly within guidance for production and costs. So 10 months in front of us, plenty of opportunity to uh, to work through from the Omicron surge. Okay, that, that's clear. And then my second question, uh, we haven't heard much on full potential improvements in 2022. Could you maybe give an overview of um, you know, any targets or guidance for the year and whether or not the cash cost guidance that has been provided already incorporates that? Thanks. Thanks, Fahad. So the, the cash cost guidance does provide um, for about just under $300 million of full potential improvement, 290 uh, across the board. Um, and just to give you a highlight of some of the, you know, some of our top initiatives, uh, one of the biggest uh, drivers will be Muscle White, uh, where we're uh, looking at getting early entry back into the mine after a blast. Uh, and then increasing the underground shift length, so really basic operational um, operational things. Um, we're seeing opportunities around um, drilling and the rate at which we do the slot raises at Eleanor. Uh, that's another significant one. Again, uh, Penasquito is a is features firmly. Uh, you're looking at uh, just use of availability, use of available time on equipment. You're looking at recoveries within the sulphide plant. You're looking at the augmented feed circuit, particularly as we move. That's the front end of the mill, particularly as we move into some of the harder ores coming out of the Chile, Colorado uh, pit. So there's some of the, the top initiatives. We're also just coming out of a refresh at Boddington, and this may re represent you know an example of upside to some of the full potential work that's built into the plan. Uh, you know, Boddington was the first site that we uh, implemented full potential at back in 2014. So it's been through multiple refreshes over the last eight years and continues to identify value. The real opportunities as we look into this year and next from Boddington is around the fact that we've now got an autonomous haul fleet. So with the, with the predictability and the controllability of an autonomous haul fleet, there's two key areas that we're looking to leverage. One is the speed and the delays around AHS. That's so all about keeping those trucks running uh, and, and maximising, optimising their speed. And because they present every time to a shovel at exactly the location you ask it to spot up to, there's a real opportunity and significant value around the queue and hang times at shovels. So some real opportunities going forward at Boddington from a recent refresh that's not included um, in the in the uh, out that we provided back in December. That's very clear. Thank you. Thanks, Fahad. Our next question comes from Tanya Jackie's Connick of Scotia Bank. Please go ahead. 
Um, good morning, everyone. Uh, uh, thank you for taking my questions, and congrats on ending a strong year and, and great reserve base. Um, I have a couple of questions. Just uh, if I could start the Tom or, or Rob on just on the um, quarterly guidance, so I understand correctly. Um, you know, 53% weighted to the second half. You've given us Boddington, Hasso, Sierra Negro. How about the Canadian asset distribution, and how should I think about Penasquito, another one of your big assets? Thanks, Tanya, and, and good morning. I might start with Penasquito and then work backwards. So Penasquito on a gold basis is about 50-50, um, so pretty pretty consistent uh, through the year when you when you look at gold. Um, in the Canadian assets, um, muscle white uh, is 60-40 split. Very much seeing as a fly-in, fly-out operation at Muscle White uh, in the in this first quarter with the Omicron surge, you've seen those impacts. They're weighted to the second half, 40-60. The other two Canadian sites are around 45-55. Uh, if you move into uh, South America, Sierra Negro is about 45-55. Boddington in Australia is following the portfolio, 47-53. And uh, a half O, and it's particularly driven by two things, but both Sabika related, both open pit and underground. We're moving to higher grades in the Sabika open pit as uh, as we move through that uh, layback, and as we start to get equipment and people back moving into the underground and start to get uh, more access to broken stocks, you'll see um, more material move through from the underground mine. So a half O is uh, is 40.60. The portfolio at 47.53. Okay, and then the only other one I think you mentioned was um, Triple Creek, um, which is the uh, second half weighted. That's right. Cripple, Cripple Creek is uh, 43.57, so um, uh, weighted uh, you know, 60.40 um, to the second half. And that's, that's linked to um, recoveries coming off the heat glitch, so that the timing of uh, the grades of dollar you place and the recoveries coming through in the second half. Yeah, that's very, very helpful. And I, I don't know if Nancy could chime in on, on the capital distribution, if there's anything we should be aware of on the capital going through the year. I've got it here. Um, so development capital, uh, as we look through the year, um, is sitting at about uh, weighted to the first half, 5545. Uh, so uh, slightly weighted to the, the first half. And if I look at our sustaining capital, uh, it's about the same. 55, 45. So that's the development capital weighted uh, slightly to the first half. Tanya. All right. So we should see obviously better um, free cash flow coming out in the second half of the year as we get through the capital and better performance from the assets. Um, that's all. Thank you. Um, and maybe just going on to some other tech questions. I just wanted to ask about. I'm intrigued about Yanacocha phase two and three. I don't know from a high level. Um, Tom, if you can kind of give us some, some, you know, concepts of how you're seeing those two phases. Yeah, thanks, Tanya. So the Anacocha Sulfides project is, you know, the bulk of the money is uh, to put in place a concentrator and a, an autoclave, a pressure oxidation facility, which really allows us to uh, open up and be able to process the sulfides ore and to, and to pay for that investment. Um, we've got the layback in the Yanacocha Verde open pit, which is with the low-grade ore we'll put through the concentrator, and our first underground mine at, uh, at Yanacocha, Chuckycocha. Uh, so it's a, it's, we're, we're punching in um, off the wall. In fact, we already have punching off the high wall of that that, um, that uh, pit to, act, to start to develop the underground mine, and that mixes with the concentrate 
and you've got uh, you're going to produce obviously copper, gold, and silver coming out of that. Thirty years of mining at Yanacocha, um, we've mined thirty years, forty million ounces of oxide ore, just like uh, we saw in Nevada a generation ago. Sulphide ore sits underneath all that oxide ore, so all of those various deposits that we've mined, or the vast majority of those various deposits that we mined, have sulphide ore underneath the oxide. And so we're, our drilling programs and, and our study work is looking at which of those deposits come next in line to, uh, to feed that uh, processing facility. So that processing facility will process sulphides ore within the existing footprint of Yanacocha for literally decades like we've seen in Nevada with, uh, with the roaster at Mill 6. Um, so which, which of those deposits um, come through, we're, we're working through, but we have, a, we have a second phase of deposits, and then we've got a third phase of deposits that we are actively exploring. And we see, as you see with many base metal projects, um, that the opportunity, once you've got your facility up and running, um, and, you'll, and I'm sure we'll see some, some more ounces come from both the Anacocha Verde Open Pit and Chucky Coacher Underground, that will extend life at existing rates. But then the phase two deposits, there'll be opportunity for us to increase throughput as we optimise uh, the processing facility and are able to present ore in different grades and extend life further. So I certainly see the opportunity as we commission this, this uh, processing facility, second half of this decade, start to see where there's opportunity to creep up in terms of um, ounces and pounds produced extending life and then additional deposits coming in to further increase throughput and extend life well into the 2040s and beyond. So hopefully that gives you some colour. Yeah, thank you. And then is the third phase um, the phase that you think about Conga and, and Keelish or no. is like... No. Oh. No, the third, third phase is still um, existing sulphide deposits in the existing footprint of, um, of the Anacocha. Oh. So, so when we think strategically it's about that foundation of long, a long-term operation, all the things you can then do with the workforce and the communities in around that operation, then allows you to look very long-term as to when does that conga then come in and when does the keelis then come in over that long-term time frame. So it's a, that they are upside on top of phases two and three. That's phase four then. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I did another phase uh, for you to work on. Um, if I could just two other quick ones, like I just to understand on um, the reclamation obligation, understand, you know, the one at Yanacocha, a lot to do with water, but made me think about just your overall portfolio and the industry in, in general. Um, Rob, should I be thinking that these reclamation obligations, we will start to see, you know, some bigger numbers come out of other assets within your portfolio, um, given all of the new, you know, legislations going through? Like, can you give us any color on what you're seeing? in terms of reclamation obligations? Sure, sure, um, Tanya. It's, it's reclamation obligations dominated by, by Yanacocha. Um, and it's the, you know, you've got a, a disturbed area of the 75% um, you know, the size of the island of Manhattan um, and significant volumes of water with the rainfall you have up there. And, and by the way, the sulphides uh, project doesn't uh, add any additional reclamation. We are essentially working within that existing footprint. Um, that dominates it. The same discipline we apply at Yanacocha, we apply across our business. So you know, we apply 50 years uh, to our reclamation obligation. So if you've got to treat water, as we do at Yanacocha, then we are assuming we're treating that water for 50 years in our, our assumptions. 
and we apply today's technology to those assumptions for 50 years. So the, the opportunity to have a long life operation such as Yanacocha and look for where there's technology to better manage, control and process water um, represents upside to those numbers. But that that is that methodology, that discipline is consistent across our portfolio. So, and it's, it's uh, Yanacocha dominates. Uh, the next big operation um, is Penasquito, uh, which is a significant uh, step down from the Yanacocha obligation. And then you're into the, the Cripple Creek and Victors and the Porcupines and the Boddington. So, but it's Yanacocha and then Daylight Penasquito and then Daylight to those other operations in terms of the, the uh, closure obligations. You're not seeing anything, Tom, that right now legislation that will make you change anything in your approach for additional money. No, no. I mean, we and you know, often it's about it's either your, your rehabilitation you're doing, or it's capturing and treating mine affected water. And in 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 terms of what we're doing, and and either the regulation requires that or Newmont requires that, we are we are treating the water to either drinking water standard or agricultural standard, depending on the the catchment area for that water that we're discharging. Thank you. I'll leave it to someone else to ask questions. Thank you so much for your insights. Thanks, Tanya. The next question comes from Jackie Przbalowski of BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Thank you very much. Um, I just, sorry, I want to go back to the Yenikocha Sulfites Project just for a, a moment. Um, on uh, on the change uh, to your partnership structure or, or the acquisition of one of Ventura's stake, uh, now that you own uh, nearly the entire project, does it change um, your approach at all, whether that's timing or anything else? Uh, does it remove any limitations that you may have had with the partnership, um, like like uh, maybe one of Ventura's funding capability or anything like that? Or, or just how, how are you... Uh, approaching this similarly or differently now versus before you uh, purchased the stake? Thanks, Jackie, and, and good morning. Um, no change morning. to the timetable we're working to. Um, it's, a, it's a late 22 uh, approval. Uh, it's, it's pretty dominated by uh, ensuring that we can clearly see that the pandemic will allow us to, to mobilise a, a workforce. We continue to do early earthworks. We continue to do the long lead time uh, procurement. We'll have the autoclave vessel on on the uh, on the construction site location by the end of the year as we seek full funds. Uh, so that will significantly de-risk the project. The other the other critical path or key item we're working on, which is important for these very large multi-billion-dollar projects, is to get the engineering to a level where you can have an accurate cost estimate to seek full funds and then de-risk the, the execution of the project. And best practice in mining and oil and gas for multi-billion dollar projects is to get a high level of, of engineering done. And a lot of our spend this year is on that engineering work with both Bechtel and Hatch. So we'll make sure that we have the pandemic uh, allowing us to mobilise a workforce of 3,000 plus people, the engineering to a level that allows us to have accurate cost estimates continue the procurement and uh, and late 2022 is the um, the optimum time frame for us to, to move forward and seek full funds. And, and you didn't mention anything about the government. There's nothing that you need to see or, or get assurances on the government side to make a full funds decision. I, I think I heard you say earlier you're pretty comfortable, but is there anything on that side that, that you're waiting for? Just no, it's nothing like we're waiting for. 
Nothing, nothing we're waiting for, Jackie. If, if anything, the, I mean, the, the government is, is having a few um, a few changes, but the bureaucracy is still working well as it as it always has in Peru. Um, the government has certainly made uh, signals that uh, if, if there are any tax changes, if there are any, they would be modest. Um, but we, um, and, and certainly the way the, the Congress is playing out, the, the, the opportunity for there to be change is, is, is diminished. Um, so we look at, you know, as, was, as I was talking through with, um, with Tanya, we look at this as a multi-decade investment um, and, and we're confident that we can navigate through the current administration to seek full funds approval. So nothing we're waiting for on that front. Great, thank you. Um, um, one other question, just a change of subject, I guess, on the um, share buyback. Uh, I know you've pushed back the expiry of your share buyback program, um, but you've you've now done over half of the billion dollars. Is, is there any thought to um, to expanding the program to to raising the the total buyback size? I guess as you get closer to that billion dollars, um, can you maybe? just talk about how you think about um, how much of that you're planning to execute this, this year and if there is an opportunity to raise that. Thank you. Thanks, Jackie. We certainly look at, at chair buybacks as we have done over the last, um, as Nancy was talking about in the in the um, prepared words, um, it's our second program and we've, you know, we've, we've bought back a billion and a half dollars at less than $49 a, a share in today's prices. That's that's a very significant return on investment. So we see it as a tool as, that is independent to our dividend framework. Um, we believe in talking with our board that uh, the remaining roughly $500 million in, in the next 10 months of this year is, is adequate um, for us to be able to execute on, on that aspect of our capital allocation priority. And we will have the discipline as we've demonstrated to undergo back in and buy our stock where we, we see um, that uh, that makes uh, good sense. And as we near the end of the year um, and sit down and talk with our board, we'll certainly debate um, whether it makes sense to uh, to uh, think about having another program as we move into 2023. So that will be part of an ongoing discussion with our board as we look at our different capital allocation priorities. But to answer your question, we um, we think there's uh, ample opportunity with what we've got available to us over the next 10 months to do what we need to do. And we have the cash available to um, to execute on both our dividend framework and on our share buyback. That's great. Thank you very much, Tom. That's all my questions. Great. Thanks, Jackie. Next question comes from Cleve Rukart of UBS. Please go ahead. Great. Thanks for taking my questions. Good morning, everybody. Um, Tom and, and you know maybe Rob, you know, I, I just wanted to come back to the autonomous college fleet, you know, I think that slide 12 that you have laid out there is got some pretty impressive statistics. Um, you know, maybe you could just tell us, you know, given what you've learned since that's, um, you know, since that's been ramped up, um, you know, are, are, are you finding other opportunities to, you know, make similar investments across the portfolio? Um, and you know, maybe give us a sense of, like, you know, how much, how much savings it's actually generating in, in terms of, um, you know, reducing the wear and, and, and fewer operators and things like that. Thanks, Cleve. I think that's a terrific question for Rob, and uh, and he'll certainly make sure that he talks about our alliance with Caterpillar and Cripple Creek and Victor and Tanami, as well as other things. Over yeah. to you, Rob. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Tom, and thanks, thanks, Cleve. Uh, 
If I start off with Warrington, you know, certainly the, uh, the the performance is very, very pleasing. And, uh, you know, as I, as I mentioned in the script, we're now performing at the traditional level of the trucks, which is terrific to see in such a short period of time. We have still got an abundance of opportunities, whether it be around the, the speed, whether it be around the sequencing to the shovels, about reducing the hang time, further improving hot seating, further improving refueling, uh, etc. So we are continuing to focus on that whole fleet at Boddington to really make sure that it doesn't just match conventional hauling, that it exceeds it by a long, long way. And, uh, you know, with the analytics that we've got, and this is one of the, the key parts of the partnership with Caterpillar, is that, uh, you know, we are sharing data like never been shared before, and we're doing that data analytics. And autonomous haulage is all about improving second by second, and that's the opportunity we've got at Boddington. So I think we're really at the at the start of a long process, and it's, it's going to be exciting. I look forward to talking about improvements as we go on. In terms of uh, other opportunities, as Tom mentioned, the the, uh, the partnership and the strategic alliance with Caterpillar is incredibly exciting. And, you know, the first cab off the rank is going to be at uh, CC&V and uh, to make that automated. And, uh, you know, certainly we believe that, uh, you know, the, the cost benefits of that will really enhance that operation. Now, when we look at autonomous elsewhere, you know, we're obviously looking at Tanamine and the underground space, uh, which is going to be key. But also, as we look further ahead, the Pomore project, you know, sublevel shrinkage at, uh, at Sabika, we've spoken about that before, and then at Yanacocha in the underground mines there. So, you know, we've got a number of great opportunities uh, to, to use this absolute proven uh, technology. But again, the key between our relationship is one thing putting in the technology is how you use it, and in particular, the data. And that's where the exciting part is. And uh, I think we've still got a long way, uh, sorry, not a long way to go, but a lot of improvements to come. Yeah, that, that's very clear. Thanks for Rob, the color. Um, I, you know, just one other question I wanted to follow up on, you know, on the, on the, the dividend and capital allocation. You know, it's it's nice to see what I think was a, a pretty positive outcome at at Yanacocha after you know sort of a year of maybe a year and a half of a little bit of uncertainty. Um, but you know, it does take up Newmont's capex obligation at at the mine. So you know, I'm just wondering if that changes at all, kind of where you fall in the in the 40 to 60 percent band of incremental free cash flow um, returns. You know, I think. Uh, Nancy, you said in your prepared remarks, you're sort of you're you're at the bottom at the 40% at 1800 gold. Um, you know, I, I guess does does that change at all with with more capex you know, this year and next year? Um, and then, you know, I, I guess just to just to finish it out, um, you know, in in terms of your use of cash, you know, would you would you be comfortable consuming cash, uh, you know, to to continue? Buying back stock, you know, I think the cash balance declined, you know, very slightly for for the year in 2021. But you know, I mean, I guess you know, ultimately, how are you thinking about the cash balance um, as it stands? Uh, you know, would you would you would you use more cash to buy back stock, or you, you anticipate being flat at the end of the year? Um, thanks very much. Thanks, Clay. Our, our dividend framework is predicated on the fact that our, at our base dividend of a dollar a share, we pay for our reinvestment back in the business over the long term. So 
So those projects are, are um, profitable and returning, assuming gold is at 1,200 and you know, the has got other metals associated with it. So our dividend framework, is reinvestment back in the business comes first and uh, we pay a base dividend of $1 a share. And for every $100 increase above that, we're generating that uh, $400 million of free cash flow every year, of which we're returning 40%. So it is robust and independent of the decisions we've made to reinvest back in the business. Nancy, did you want to pick up in terms of our cash balances and, um, and uh, how we think about dividends and uh, share buybacks? Yeah, exactly as Tom said, is we can create opportunities on all fronts in terms of reinvestment in the business, the dividend structure, and the share buyback. And as we ended the year with over $5 billion in cash on hand and $8 billion of liquidity, we do have the ability to do all of that. And so that's what you'll see us focus on, is that reinvestment in the Yanacocha consolidation does not impact those numbers or, or limit us in any way. And you'll, you'll see us continue to work with our board and evaluate opportunities for the dividend over time. So, yes, we are pegged at the $1,800 and 40% right now. We'll always look at opportunities to consider um, you know, raising that if appropriate. Okay. I guess, Nancy, just you know, really quickly, does the, does the higher CapEx at Yenacocha change where you are relative to, to the 40% or, or is it? Relatively. Uh, I'll please, no, absolutely not. Yeah, okay, okay, very clear. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Cleve. Uh, operator, I'm conscious that um, folks on this call will want to get to another call at the top of the hour. So if you maybe just take one more and we'll make sure we've got you free and clear at the top of the hour. The next question comes from Adam Josephson of Key Bank. Please go ahead. Thanks, everyone. Good morning. Congratulations on a really good finish uh, to your year. Tom or Nancy, just on your cost outlook for this year, you mentioned 150,000 ounce production impact you're expecting in the first quarter. Obviously, you know, Brent crude today is at $104 barrel because of Russia-Ukraine. Are you thinking any differently about your gold CAS or ASIC guidance than you were, you know, two three months ago? Um, and, and and within that, are you thinking about any of the components differently, energy? Uh, transport, labor, etc. Thanks, Adam. I'll, I'll pick that one up. In, in, in terms of um, both, uh, particularly, uh, there's probably two factors associated with what's happening in the Ukraine at the moment. We're certainly seeing oil prices go up, the diesel price for us, and natural gas prices are going up, and natural gas is used to, to make ammonia, which is uh, then used to make uh, our explosives, um, ammonium nitrate. Both our energy costs make up around 15% of our operating costs. So operating costs are much more dominated by labour at 50% and materials and consumables um, at about 30%. So it's, it's only 15% of our cost base. And as we looked into this year, understanding the, the volatility that was ahead of us, the uncertainty around COVID, uh, we had factored in on an aggregated basis um, escalation into, into our guidance. And so some of the things that we're seeing now, we've, we've already accommodated in terms of how we've thought about our, our cost guidance. So as we sit here today, uh, we don't see that, that uh, either the, the impact of the Omicron surge or some of these, these near-term uh, events uh, impacting on our ability to land within our guided number for all and sustaining cost per ounce. 
To give you an idea of sensitivity, um, for every $100 increase in gold price, we generate $400 million of free cash flow. So you're seeing with the current events, gold price well over $1,900, uh, and we guided it at $1,800 gold price. Every $10 increase in the barrel of oil represents only $15 million of free cash flow. So there's a, it's a significant difference. And again, if I use the same words I was using with, uh, with Tanya, there's daylight between the sensitivity to gold price and the sensitivity to a, a barrel of oil. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you for that, Tom. And just one last one on the, on the sequencing of costs. You, know, you mentioned that cost per ounce will decline for obvious reasons as the year progresses, but would you care to give us any more context in terms of the degree of uh, change by quarter, just in the event that we were perhaps underestimating the, the one Q impact of the, the production loss or any other sequencing that you would have us be mindful of in terms of our cost modeling? The the cost will, will follow closely those production numbers. So it's, it's, it's very much cost, uh, cost is being driven by production as we look at those trends. So the trends we talk through at a portfolio level and the different assets that we we talked through over the course of the last uh, the last few minutes. Costs will costs will flow follow that trend. So as as production is increasing, the cost will um, will decrease at uh, similar percentages. But back right. half. Thanks very much. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Adam. I think that's that's probably it, operator. This concludes our question and answer session. I'd like to turn the conference back over to Tom Palmer for any closing remarks. Thank you, Operator, and, and thank you, everyone, for making the time uh, to the call today. And uh, please uh, please look after yourselves and continue to stay safe and healthy. But thank you, everyone, for your time. Conference is now concluded. Thank you for attending today's presentation, and you may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.